In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the start of his most influential letter, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And then he says, For in it, the righteousness of God, his dekaiosunetheu, his covenantal faithfulness, his faithfulness to the promises he's made, is revealed ek pisteos es piston, from faith to faith, kathos gegraptai, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This quotation here in Romans 1.17 is from our Old Testament reading this morning. Paul was quoting Habakkuk 2.4. And given the way in which Paul quotes this passage here in Romans 1 and also in Galatians 3, its significance for Paul's theology is apparent. But what does it mean? Often it's suggested that Paul isn't quite aware of the Old Testament context of many of his Old Testament quotations. In this case, it's suggested that Paul is aware that this particular phrase exists somewhere in the Old Testament, and so he uses it because it helps him make his point here in Romans 1. If that's the case, then there's really no point in looking at Habakkuk for Paul's understanding of faith, because Paul doesn't have Habakkuk in mind. To find out what Paul means by faith, we only need to look at what Paul has said. However, as some of you know, I am not convinced that Paul is as contextually unaware as some scholars say he is. I think he knew his Bible well, and I think you should too. Plus, Habakkuk is our reading this morning and not Romans 1. So I want to look at what Habakkuk meant when he wrote the words, The righteous shall live by his faith. The book of Habakkuk was written sometime near the fall of Assyria and the rise of Babylon. So probably between 640 and 615 BCE. So about 2600 years ago. At the start of the book, the prophet makes a complaint to the Lord. This is kind of a common feature in the Minor Prophets. He wants to know why the Lord permits violence and iniquity in this world, even among his own people. Why does God look on iniquity, on violence, on injustice, and sit by idly? Habakkuk is a bit sparse on historical details, so we're left to fill in the blanks a bit. But it appears that in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, the prophet's complaint is that the people of God are not who they are supposed to be, and God continues to allow it. The people's sin goes unchecked. 
The law is apparently useless. There is no justice. And more precisely, what justice there is, is perverted. You can see this in the last verse of that section. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth. Perverted. God's answer to this complaint is shocking. And it spawns, it's so shocking, it spawns Habakkuk's second complaint. God says this in verse 5, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Knowing what God is about to tell Habakkuk, I can picture the prophet going, "Uh Uh-oh. Even if I told you you wouldn't believe me, that, that doesn't sound very good. And it's not. God says in answer to the, iniqu- the iniquity, the injustice of his own people, just like he raised up the Assyrians to judge Israel, so now he is going to raise up the Chaldeans to judge Judah. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. To which I can hear Habakkuk replying, You're going to do what? Through whom? Guilty men? whose might is their God, that's who you're going to use to solve the problem of violence and iniquity in the land? But that can't be God. Are you not from everlasting? You're holy. You're my God. This is your people. Why do you look idly by? While traitors devour your people and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. You are pure eyes than to see evil and can look at no wrong. So why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Notice that phrase, more righteous than he. Habakkuk is asking how God can use an unrighteous, godless, unholy people like the Chaldeans to judge his people who might be bad, 
but certainly they are more righteous than the Chaldeans. How can you, a holy God, permit this? Habakkuk continues for a bit saying more bad things about the Chaldeans, and he uses a metaphor that we might call being fishers of men or fishers of people. But instead, the Chaldeans are fishing not for people's salvation, but rather they are capturing the whole world in their nets and devouring them. Remember, the prophet said that the people, the Chaldeans, that their own might is their God. Now, he says, and the singular here is because he's talking about the king or the people as a whole. He says, therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives. For by them he lives in luxury. And his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? If God will use unrighteous people to bring judgment on the righteous, what then? Will God let the unrighteous reign forever? Will he let them devour nations and cities and towns forever? Will they continue to live by their might and their power and their privilege and their prestige forever? No, comes the answer. God speaks through the prophet and declares that judgment will one day come upon the unrighteous. But not yet. For the vision of that judgment still awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The one who lives like the Chaldeans, God says, like people who trust in their power, their privilege, their prestige, and their prosperity, those people are puffed up. Their souls are not right within them. But in contrast, God's people, the righteous, shall live by faith. Which means in the midst of a world full of sin, in the midst of a world full of violence and wickedness, in the midst of a world where God can use even the unrighteous to judge the righteous, that God's people, the righteous, must always live in hope. In hope of the day. When the vision will come to fruition. When God will judge the unrighteous. When God will set the world to rights. And if you can't see the punchline here, that vision, that appointed time for which the righteous must wait faithfully, that day is announced finally and forever in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the announcement of the death and resurrection of Jesus in which God has judged the powers of this world and begun to set the world to right so that one day, 
the vision of Habakkuk will come true and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Not just filled with the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is always there. The angels sing of it. We say it, we sing of it, but knowledge, recognition of that glory in the world by the whole world. That's Habakkuk's vision of a world in which the whole earth is aware of the glory of God that permeates creation. Like waters cover the sea. Ask yourself, how do waters cover the sea? Can they be separated? No, and that's the point. A day is coming when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. A day is coming when the righteousness of God will stand forth and all the wickedness in this world will be judged and all the world will be turned upside down just like Mary said it would. And to live by faith, Habakkuk says, and Paul says, is to wait in hope for that day. A day which has already begun in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It may very well feel like that day will never come. It may feel slow. It may feel far off. But wait for it. It will surely come. To wait for that day is to live by faith. Amen.